This is AV Week, episode number 14 for Saturday, November 5th, 2011. Mime is money. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of news, information, and commentary. I'm your host, Tim Albright. Thank you for listening. With us this week is Dawn Mead. Dawn is known as AV Dawn. She's a blogger, she's a consultant, and a darn fine lady to know. How are you, Dawn? Very well, thank you, and thank you for the compliment. Absolutely. Uh, George is with us today, George Tucker. He is Tucker Twos. Uh, I'm not going to uh, butcher his uh, blog. We'll give you that at the end of the show. But he also works at World Stage. How are you, George? Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, back with us for two weeks in a row. Um, I think it's the sign of the apocalypse is my buddy, Michael Drainer. He is the sales manager for the AV division of Tech Electronics in St. Louis. Setting records. Hello, everyone. And back with us, finally... The man, the hat, the myth, the legend, Johnny Moda. How's it going, interwebs? Good. How are you? By the way, congratulations on your twenty thousandth tweet. Uh, thank you very much. You know what? I feel. I don't actually. I don't even know how I feel. I feel kind of weird about it. <laughs> well, you were you were you were promoting it really. You know the fact that you were you were counting down and stuff like that. So. Yeah. It, it was it was a thing. It, it happened. Was, it was a thing. It happened, and it was on Twitter. So that means it was like twenty thousand years ago. So definitely. Uh, <laughs> by the way, just just so uh, everybody uh, knows, we're, we're taping this on Saturday, Saturday, November fifth. Happy Guy Fox Day, everyone. Ooh, did Facebook crash? Indeed, it did not. Oh, remember, okay. remember, the fifth of November. Fox. So. Occupy. Uh, <laughs> Occupy Guy Fox. Uh, real quick, I, <laughs> last week we, when, when we taped this, uh, last the last episode, and actually the last episode was George, Don, and, and, and Michael and myself. Shortly thereafter, um, I get an email from George Tucker saying, hey, I'm getting some calls. Uh, Michael uh, has has some contacts as well. We're talking about Roscore. All of a sudden... Um, this this brewing and this you know this is happening and this is happening and phone calls are being made and things are being said on Twitter that nobody really knew what was going on. Uh, Roscor is is a pretty substantial uh, AV company and and, and broadcast company uh, outside of Chicago. Suddenly, all of a sudden, it, it it felt like you know we're watching the implosion of this of this grand company. Um, I'm going to have George and, and Michael kind of walk through what they heard, and, and, and we'll, then we'll, we'll take it through, through the steps of the story. George, take me through last Friday and, and, and even over the weekend and what you were hearing and, and what came out, out of that come Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, uh, this is actually a, a lesson in social media as well as other things. Um, I have a couple of friends whose Facebook statuses start to uh, have ominous undertones. Uh, things like, you know, it's it's really bad to know the things I know kind of stuff. And, you know, you don't always pay attention to that you're thinking okay family stuff yeah um but about ooh, i don't know an hour before two hours before uh things started happening i got a call from one of these guys and saying yeah here's something you might want to know about uh roscar is going down and i was like no way and he's like oh yeah he's like they're going to tell you that they're going to try to do something but it's over and you're stunned i mean this is what it's it's like hearing microsoft decided to close the doors uh, and and then I got a second friend calling me going, 
yeah, maybe you want to know this. I'm like, yeah, so-and-so just told me. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, we're all talking. We're all desperate to, to figure out what's going on. And the last thing I heard from one of these guys was, you know, yeah, there's the police cars because they let the local authorities know just in case. Uh, well, you know, I mean, that's the world we live in, right? Well, but true, yeah. uh, it was such a stunning thing, I think, that everybody, that that notification was sort of this stunning revelation of, you know, it's it, a lot of people didn't know, and it was just going to be a slap in the face. Uh, from what I know is um, there were some uh, prospects and jobs that did not pan out the way they were supposed to. That caused uh, some money issues, and that led to an ability to secure equipment for jobs in process. And then, you know, once you reach that limit, you can't go any further. Michael, kind of take me through your your side of the things. How did you hear and and the people that your contacts in in Roscor? Uh, it was very similar to George's experience, and you know I think this is um, a classic case of overextension, like you just said, George. Um, the the story I got from a very close contact at Roscor is that um, they overextended themselves on some international projects that uh, depleted their bonding ability and, and some other financial issues here in the States. And as George stated, they were unable to uh, secure financing, maintain their credit lines, get equipment, which caused problems with their uh, customer base uh, here. And uh, it, it's really quite sad because Roscoe has been a big player in the broadcast business, particularly in the AV world, for quite some time. Definitely a force to be reckoned with. And it's very sad to see such a top-notch organization like that uh, go down like this. Now, the the article that we've got here from the Daily Herald says that they're they're laying off and restructuring. But the word that I'm getting from the inside is that they're actually going to shut the doors of Roscoe and reopen under a different name with a much smaller staff. So time will tell what actually happens. Well, yeah, yeah um, it sounds it sounds a lot like they're trying to become a consulting company, which I don't think is going to work. Um, I also know I also understand that there's a bunch of people from the inner circle of Roscoe that are going to try and reform under under new name and some of the same employees, but I don't know how far that's going to go yet. So uh, is that different than um, <clears throat> than than the guy like Mr. Mister uh, Ralston uh, opening up or, or what? Yeah, it would be separate people like just getting together saying, you know what, let's let, we work well together. We, we think we can get some money up. Let's do it. Okay, the reason I'm asking you is because he even said that, that they're not shutting down. And right. Yeah, I wouldn't believe it. This, this is a bigger this is a bigger question for for all you guys. And Don, we'll start with you. We've talked a lot about service uh, on, on this podcast, and you guys have written a lot about it um, on, on the blogs, both on, on your rave blogs and, and elsewhere. Do you think this is a situation where they just couldn't keep up with the service part? And and and, and Mr. Rawson even even says, you know. This business was built 40 years ago based on, you know, selling product at high margins. I mean, granted, 40, 30, 40 years ago, um, the AV industry had, you know, had high margins. Now we don't, and so now we need to shift to, to service. Do you think maybe that they weren't able to make that shift? Um, I think that's definitely a possibility, um, a probability, in fact, um, just based on what I see, you know, in this article. And, you know, I visited a couple of other articles about this closure or restructuring or whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it does seem as though they were having a major problem transitioning from the high margin box sale model to to a service based reality. I mean, if you go to the Roscoe's Roscoe site right now. You know, it still looks like a box sale kind of company, 
although there is a giant liquidation sale, huge savings, everything must go banner on it. It's still coming across like, you know, like a B&H where you just go there to get your equipment and be done with it. And, you know, that's a great model if you can afford it and if you're set up that way and you have other revenue streams or reputation to carry that through. But nowadays, it's so difficult that if you're doing that as well as integration, you know, as far as I know, B&H just sells stuff. Yeah. You know, so. they, they don't attempt to do integration, whereas Rosscore was attempting integration, different branches, international projects, and maintaining this box sale model. And I think that's probably where a lot of their problem came. Well, and I can speak firsthand as a former Rosscore customer. Um, when I worked in the broadcast business, we spent millions with these guys. Um, had great relationships with them, great integrators. They always provide us great competitive pricing. But I think part of the problem, and I've seen this not only with them, but other companies who have tried to work both in the broadcast and the AV segment, is broadcast has taken a steep, steep dive since 2009. Mm -hmm. Ever since the FCC transition took place to DTV, there's no more build-outs going on. Broadcasters are cutting like crazy. So if you didn't have a solid AV segment to keep you afloat, you're hurting now. So, uh, you know, that's... That could very possibly be part of the issue here, that, that they really didn't have that diversity to keep them going when the broadcast side of the business took a, took a dive. You know, I've got a question about that because it sounds a lot, when I'm listening to this, it sounds a lot to me like the integrators with the flat panels. Mm -hmm. yep. They were expensive. Mm -hmm. No one could get them. We could charge a premium. Anyone who built their model only on that, when, it, when, they buy, when the manufacturer started saying, hey, we need to make more profit, we need to sell this in box stores, their businesses died by the thousands. Right. I mean, literally right. the thousands. And this almost sounds like the same thing. If you're premising your business on the broadcast version of Y2K, which was the white space and DTV transition, <laughs> you're going to make a good deal of money for a little while, but you've got to be prepared for that downslide, or this was your model all along, and you decided when it ends, you're done. Yeah, well, like and that. the reality is there, there's a similarity there to even what's going on in the VTC world. Mm. And that's, you know, back in the day, broadcast, you had to have big, expensive cameras, big, expensive audio equipment, fancy microphones. If you wanted to set up a remote shoot or a shoot from someone's home, heaven forbid, you know, you had to truck a lot of equipment there. You had to buy it, you know, make sure it was there, installed correctly and run correctly. Now with, you know, the, the microphones we have, I mean, right now we're doing Skype recording for a podcast Yay. and it's coming across radio quality, you know, yeah, um, the same I'm, I'm, I might differ on that one, but your, your average non AV Joe fault? that's listening right. can't necessarily tell the difference for most of us. Right. And right. the same thing's happening with VTC. It used to be this big, expensive proposition. Nowadays, a lot of VTC, it, it isn't even really VTC. It's no. web chat. It is. You know? well, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Is is, is uh, not only this this summer we all saw you know life size integration with Skype. Polycom just bought a company primarily, most of us believe at least, for their software so they could integrate web based conferencing. This is you know we're, we're all watching in real time. You know, kind of the not the dumbing down, but the the con, the, the simplification, I guess. Consumerization. Yeah, a, a, yeah. a video conferencing. I mean, yeah. Johnny, you could put this into. Uh, somebody's you know multi million dollar video uh, uh, living room, and they could have you know video conferencing from from their their Barker lounger, and you know never have to go into the in, into the office. True, true. I was almost debating doing this over uh, Microsoft Connect just to to prove a point, but I'm using a Mac today. But yeah, I mean that's almost like the standard. Like let's just use Skype. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, so that- if you're building if you're building your model on selling the expensive VTC equipment, or in the case of Roscore, the expensive broadcast equipment, you're going to have a problem. You know. It, not to bring up politics, but, you know, I was watching Fox News or CNN or something, and they went to a live shot from Governor Palin's house, and she had a whole studio set up in her house that was set up with, with prosumer equipment that she was able to make television appearances and appear on this talk show, whereas in the old days, again, that would take getting your local affiliate out there with cameras and crew and lights and the whole nine yards, you know, it, it's it's a different world, and, and the companies like Roscoe that aren't adjusting to that are facing the consequences yeah and not to not to, uh, to add to that uh one of the guys that, that i look up to a lot in the in the in the podcasting he calls it netcasting world is leo laporte leo just built a a couple of million dollar facility for sweet all of his facility. different huh, sweet facility yeah very, very nice. sweet very nice but here's the thing those millions were not spent on the camera or the video equipment. I mean, he has he has a twenty five thirty thousand um, dollar uh, tricaster, the, their their big HD thing. He's got something like thirty or thirty five cameras that cost him between two and three thousand dollars a piece. Yeah. Technically, they're HD. Michael can can go off on his little, little tangent later, but technically <laughs> we'll have a whole HD. discussion on HD later. <laughs> technically, they're HD, and he has right, them everywhere. I mean, seriously, everywhere. He spent the same amount on on, on these cameras. At, as probably Oprah did on one of hers. <laughs> you talking about the new the new Twit Cottage? Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. this thing is is is, is in, pretty intense. In, yeah, it's enveloped in all these cameras, and he didn't spend, relatively speaking, that much for thirty or thirty five shots of everything. You know, right? So, yeah, I mean, all of this stuff is is really kind of com- com- coming commercialized. Here, here's the question, and this is this is kind of goes back to something else. It is, are we going to see that with everything else? Um, not to be, you know, simplistic or, or, you know, the sky is falling. Just a simple question. Because we've watched, you know, the the box sale or the the best buyization of flat panels and of video conferencing, are we going to see that in switching and in HD processing and in control and all this other jazz? I, I think you're going to see a lot of that stuff just flat out. You know, the, the, the technology that we use is going gonna, is gonna to change drastically. You know, we're starting to move toward cloud-based switching we're over the LAN, over the network, over the WAN, whatever the case may be. Your traditional matrix switcher is going by the wayside. Everything is going to be web-based controls. It's all going to be XML. Um, you know, everything's going to the, to the IP world. And as we move further and further down that road, the value of the integrator becomes less and less to the typical consumer. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to go away. Let's see, watch the, how you say that. I'm not, <laughs> I, I am very cautious here. That doesn't mean it's going to go away when we get into corporate and into uh, uh, company integration because there's different needs that need to occur there, right? But a good case in point, my executive vice president has an iPhone. He uses FaceTime yeah. all the time. You know how I sold him on LifeSize? is that he could have life-size on his phone and he could be talking to his hmm. grandchildren and then flip over to one of our strategic planning meetings. We're a life-size dealer. That is huge, huge mobility products. We're not selling, you know, $100,000 endpoints anymore. We're selling $100 licenses for iPhones. Okay, let, let me let me you know, wrap this. I, I mean, I mean the whole thing is is transitioning. So for corporate and education and healthcare and stuff like that, you, there, there's a place. But there's not a place for, for people like Johnny. Johnny is a, is a home guy primarily, and Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but So there's not, in, in the distant future, however, you know, five, ten years, less people are going to go to Johnny? Is that... I, I can't speak to the consumer market directly. I, I know, what, but, what but I'm is that what is you're that the, seeing, though? No, what I'm saying is the manufacturers are dumbing down to the technology to the point that anybody can pull it out and use it. But they need people like... 
you and, yes, and him yes, to integrate it and to program it. If it needs that. We don't know what the future holds, right? Because think about FaceTime. FaceTime is just an app. You download an app. I now have two-way video conversation. We're doing it with Skype right now. I don't need an integrator to get Skype up and going and have a video call with all of our friends, right? Now, the moment I take that from the personal and the consumer world and I start integrating it into corporate communications and I've got security issues I'm dealing with and I've got to integrate with, with corporate networks, now things start to transition. Now is where the specialty starts to um, come to the top. Okay. And, thought, and if thought, I can add to that, yeah, I, please I, do. I was going to ask you to, Don. I, I was going to say I think there will always be a place for Johnny, aside yes. from the fact that he's fabulous. Yes, but the <laughs> absolutely. Fabulous. Well, I can't. Yeah, um, <laughs> there will always be a place for the home integrator because, whereas before there were so many integrators for home because nobody knew how to do it, but everybody wanted it. Now we're going to have the home integrator that are there for a the people that just aren't willing to DIY mm-hmm. and yeah. we'll also have them there as you know like every DIY guy also has a plumber on speed dial for when they can't quite make it go right we'll have integrator home integrators on on speed dial for when hubby screws up the rack yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think there'll still be a place it won't be like the glory days when everybody that wanted a home theater called an integrator you know there'll be a lot of DIY and not just from those of us that work in the industry but um I think the simplification will allow people to do it themselves, but there will still be a need for the expertise. Well, and, and those needs are going to be different. The level of expertise is going to be elevated because everybody right. goes out now. I, I, let me rephrase it. Not everybody. There's a lot of people that go out and buy your off-the-shelf Linksys router and they get their home network up and going. Yeah. Okay. Right. But there are those who can't do it. They either A, don't want to, B, they don't have the technical wherewithal, um, or C, they just, they just don't feel like it. Um, you know, and, that, and that's where those experts are going to come into play. But then as the technology continues to progress, then you know, as long as that integrator is staying on the leading edge, there's always going to be a place for them. If they stay in the legacy, then they're going to end up just like Roscoe. George, now would be a time to, to pimp your DIY show. <laughs> it sounds so crude. I'm sorry. Now would be the time it to promote so your DIY show. <laughs> well, we haven't decided on that yet. Yes, well, but we are going to look at doing something about the DIY guys, the whole Adreno movement, the makers, maker fair, maker movement um, that's going on. I mean, the, the, these guys are actually something that to really watch out for. These are people who actually will go to the... the garage and weld a piece to mount the thing in as well as set up all the electronics uh, most some of them or most of them don't know you know what dhcp from you know i don't know a subnet but they get that they're supposed to fill certain things in and they, they know where to go with it and it's made easy i mean there's a lot of plug and play here and, and just like don said you know years ago you couldn't do your own plumbing but you can go to home depot and get a couple of the pieces and you can fix your own sink i mean i can replace my sink <clears throat> I can do a fuzz, you know, you want me to sweat pipes? Eh, I might call in an expert for that. But, you know, I could do it, but I, I don't want to be annoyed by it. I got other things to do, like this show. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. Make you sure go. you got your priorities in mind, okay? <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, there, there is a movement there where certain things that we always thought were high tech, getting a radio installed in your house in the 1930s, that took a couple of guys who brought it over and made sure it was right. You can do it now just by going to the store, buying it off the shelf, and plopping it on a table. Um, is again the point with that. With coming back to the beginning of this, if you are making your business model on one type of action, it will eventually go away. 
and you have to be ready for it. And if you're not, you will go away. Mm-hmm. Evolve or die. That's absolutely right. It's changing too fast not to. All right. Uh, from Rave Pub and also from our very own Don Me. Don uh, went over to D.C. this week for the first ever GovCom uh, put on by our fine folks at Infocom. Uh, by the name of it, you can tell that it's probably a some sort of trade show of some sort, uh, attended by uh, over two thousand uh, people, a hundred exhibitors. Don, give me your your initial reaction and, and kind of what you thought about the the uh, the trade show GovCom. Well, my initial reaction is it's about time. Really, um, having having worked as an integrator in this region, you know the DC Mid Atlantic region is full of government work, it's full of higher ed work, and it's full of corporate work for all the companies supporting the government and the higher ed. And not every company, not every even integrator has a chance to go to Orlando or Vegas or even Anaheim for the big Infocom show. So what did we do for many years? Those of us that didn't necessarily go to the big Infocom show, we'd go to Fosse and look at the four AV companies that were there and a bunch of IT crap that we didn't care about. Or we'd go to the Government Video Expo that happens in December and look at the four AV companies that were there and a bunch of broadcast crap we didn't care about. And so there was a real need, there is a real need for a trade show of AV equipment, pro-AV equipment in this region. And especially tailored to the federal space because there are needs that, that the federal buyers have to meet in their AV equipment and technology that just don't apply in the corporate or home theater or education world. Like what? So um, secure VTC, secure uh, just the secure level of anything. You know, the first time my, my previous company ever did an install in a secure facility, it was kind of eye-opening because you couldn't put any wires in the wall. You had to make it look professional with visible wires at all times so that, you know, they could make sure there were no bugging. There was no chance of, you know, intercepting or leaking or, you know, there's a lot more involved to it than simply putting in a system like you would any other boardroom. And so the need has been there. And Infocom, finally, after hearing this for years from their mid-Atlantic dealers, put this show together. It was the first year of a show. And anytime you have a first year of a show, there aren't going to be as many manufacturers showing, you know, a vendor's present, and there aren't going to be that many attendees. And, and it was a light show, but I think as word gets out that the show is there, the government buyers, the military buyers, the, the contractors that work for the government and the military that do the buying for them are going to start coming out to this show, and it's going to be a real, real asset to the area. All right, can I uh, – uh, Is was this a – was this a mid-Atlantic show? Was it an, a, an East Coast, Eastern uh, time zone show? Or is this something, I mean, for, for this year, obviously, because, uh, you know, everything that was, you know, you guys had a snowstorm for crying out loud and all that jazz. But is this something that uh, in years future that, that other people outside of the Beltway uh, should come and see? Or is this just about the East Coast and about D.C.? Well, by Based its very nature, there's going to be a lot of it that is sort of Beltway-centric to it, but I don't think by any means it's going to be something that only D.C. area people should come to. I mean, there are military bases all around this country and all around the world, and you know, by them going to regular Infocom, they get to see some of the latest technology that it's out, that's out there, but they don't always get to see that secure stuff. 
that, you know, there, there was a, a vendor there that without my info or GovCom book in front of me, I don't recall their name, yeah. but this company would never show at regular Infocom. They specialize in strategic all-in-one communications setups. And I mean, this company manufactures the tent, the flooring that goes down on the sand or rock or wherever you happen to be deployed. It had the, the monitor in table for you to come over and look at the maps on in real time as, as troop movements or whatever you have on the global satellite imagery. You know, they monitored, they made the racks and all of it's ruggedized, all of it's, you know, weather protected. These sorts of things you're not going to see at your average Infocom. No, but that's but pretty cool. <laughs> it, it was incredibly cool. And, you know, I feel bad that I don't know their name to give them an immediate shout out, but it was a fantastic thing. And military people from all over the world are going to want this sort of technology. So I think as it develops and people get to know about it and hear about it through, you know, government channels and channels like this podcast, um, there will be a need for people coming in from the outside. Um, that said, some of the exhibitors that were there were integrators, but not D.C. area integrators. Okay. There were some federal integrators. I know there was a group from Michigan. There was a group from South Carolina. I think there was a group from Texas. And they were there to meet other integrators in the D.C. area to form strategic partnerships. You know, they've got their GSA schedules. They've got their 8A and their, you know, SBA certifications and all of that. They've got their security clearances, but they don't have a presence in the Mid-Atlantic to get in on some of these big contracts where you need someone here. So they came to the show to make partnerships with other companies and get some of the federal pie. You know, that's yeah. where, where the money is during a recession is well, yeah. always government buying. So the government um, always think, has money. Exactly. So I, I think once it gets established and out there in people's consciousness, you know, if you talk to your average government employee in DC, they know when Fosse comes around that they can take their lunch hour and go over to the convention center and see all the IT toys and get some swag. Yeah, you know they they know when d- d- the government video expo is happening. The same thing. So once word gets in their consciousness about GovCom, the show is going to grow greatly, and uh, I think it's going to be good for both DC and outside of DC. Very cool. Do you think that GovCom would do better uh, presenting at Infocom, like building's team there with a bigger presence? As you know, it's a new show, but at Infocom there'd be more attendees, and you would just bring more traction to it, or no? You, you know, that's hard to say. I, I, if I were the goddess of Infocom <laughs> and made the decisions, I would definitely put maybe a GovCom booth at Infocom yeah. to encourage people to come to GovCom the show. But gotcha. I, think it does, I think it does need to be its own show because, again, the military and federal buyers don't always have the ability to go Vegas or Orlando. And that's who ultimately we want to get to with a show like GovCom. Okay, here's, now, here's, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. I would say that would be good to get interest within the industry, you know, other integrators and other manufacturers interested in showing at GovCom. But I, I don't necessarily think that that's the solution for, you know, instead of having the show here, just making another pavilion at Infocom. I'm right. going to ask what may be a, a, a simplistic question or naive question. Um, is this what kind of is Educom the education version of this? And the reason I'm asking because the only one I've ever been to was in 07 when it, when it was in conjunction with Infocom. So you know the meetings and the, and the lectures were uh, running the same time as the Infocom show. And so to go see the product, you had to go to the Infocom show floor. Is Educom the same way? Does anybody know? Is it kind of like think GovCom? So. I think so. They had they had an education track that was purely for the higher ed market, and at GovCom they had an education track purely for you know the government buyer on secure VTC, secure 
you know, new, new technologies. Um, but I think it's a similar thing. Where, but your higher education people again have more ability to just take out, you know, take off and go to Vegas or not in the middle of November. You can't. Well, <laughs> that's a, that's almost final. So yeah, well, but but Infocom is in June, so for the yes, education yes, people, that's perfect. fabulous. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to AV Week with us. That is Dawn Mead. She's a blogger with Rave Publications. She's also a consultant and has her own site, avdawn.com. George Tucker is with us as well. Johnny Moda and Michael Drainer. Uh, Johnny, we'll start with you on this one. The Apple and Microsoft patent uh, have have filed patents for touchless controls. So the uh, this, the race has begun to see who can get this patent done first, and then of course they're going to turn around and sue the other guy. <laughs> right, and it's going to be an ongoing thing for the rest of eternity until one consumes the other company. Yeah, but take this, take this, uh, take me through this, and also, you know, uh, my other question, as with anything, when, with when it comes to, to, you know, touchless and, and stuff like that, we've talked about this before. How does this affect maybe eventual t- touchless control as well for I, AV? for AV? I mean, like since say like like day one of Connect, there was always the hackers and the people that you know the do, do, DIY people or you know the people that just want to tinker, you know. How does this work? I'm going to rip it apart and make it better. So since day one of Connect, there's been videos of people, you know, look what I can do. I modded this thing. I made, you know, I've, I've seen several videos of people you know, changing channels on TV just through, you know, gesture control and things like that. And it started off pretty basic and it got a little more advanced. And then it was like, well, now I can do this and now I can control my TV. And so there's mods out there already. And I think Microsoft saw that initially and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You got to stop there because we're going to patent this before you take our idea and make it better. And we're going to see you. At the same time, Apple is doing their very own thing with that. And I think there, there's been talks of like that a physical Apple, I, you know, Apple branded ITV yeah. with gesture control. And I, I believe Siri would be built into it, at least from my stand, uh, standpoint. So it'd be like a gesture control along with a voice activation. And then it's you know two months after that until it's like the end of days and Terminator's coming to come kill you and things like that. <laughs> I think I saw somebody uh, put. Uh, who thinks that uh, that John Connor is going to be killed by a by an I, I, you know an Apple uh, TV with Siri built in? So if you <laughs> yeah, don't know what that means, you go for Sarah Connor. Yeah. You're all done. Yeah. So George, uh, you don't like gestures, so I probably won't ask you this question. <laughs> I'm not a gesture. I am not a exactly. Not a See, that um, was episode number three, I think. I don't know. <laughs> you know what though? There was also. Uh, uh, to mention, you mentioned Leo Laporte on Twitter, one of the shows a couple of days ago. They were actually on uh, Windows Weekly, I think. They were showing some 1980-something movie about the future that Microsoft had made, these little films. Ooh, Microsoft one of them was a watching, movie? Yeah, well, they're, you know, little advertising movies, oh, okay. little movilettes, we'll call them, right? Um, and they were showing people, like, doing all these gestures to make things move. And all I think is, you know, now we have to have a course and our kids are going to start learning, you know, uh, mime. It just... Doesn't work for me that these all these little hand gestures going all over. You know, I'm sorry that took me a second. To... It's mine. Mine is money. Mine is money. That's all you have to say, right? Mine is money, baby. Well, um, have you guys seen the the Intel commercial a few months back where it was gesture control of the lights of the room and different you know windows and such, and it was kind of tuned into audio where he was just dancing around but making the room do everything for him all based on gesture control well yeah and not only that not to throw too many movies into it but we also have minority report you know where there you go tom cruise is standing at a virtual screen moving these items back and forth you know with with basically gestures i was thinking i was thinking iron man just move that into the trash 
That's the computer we, and gesturing I want. Is you know. Can we do that? Can we have that already? Hoverboards and time machines and gesture control. So what happens when I scratch my head? Exactly. Yeah, don't end. do that. That's <laughs> it's like pressing the infamous red button. Don't hit the red button and don't scratch you your head. You get ejected I'm, out of the airlock. Can I, okay, here's a silly question. Does this mean that I'm going to actually start start, start to understand the baseball signals given out by people like Tony LaRussa? Because I've never understood that. I really haven't. And so I'm, that I'm, or gang symbols, one yeah. or the other. Well, gang, gang symbols I actually get. <laughs> don't, don't, please don't, don't ask, ask why. Don't ask why. Whoa. Right. Oh, wow. On uh, that okay. note. Well, uh, next story. To week. <laughs> Um, we're going to step away for a second. Uh, I met a very nice person uh, this week. Uh, we're going to talk to her. We're going to start something called the AV, uh, the AV job of the week. There, George, it was your idea, and you missed it. One more time. One more time. The AV job, job of, of the, the week. week. There we go. Uh, that you, was bad. You can train like monkeys, but bad you happy can. birthday or something. <laughs> uh, droid. Uh, we're going to talk with Pat Dealey. She is from AV Jobs. .co.uk. <laughs> it's time for the AV Week job of the week. Uh, joining me today is Pat Dealey. Pat is the sales and marketing director for AV Jobs. Hello, Pat. Hi, Tim. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I don't know if anybody can tell by, uh, on that in this short introduction, but you are not uh, across the, the way from me, but you are actually over in England. I am. And uh, tell us a little bit about your your website and what you guys do at AV Jobs. Okay, I'd love to. Um, we are avjobs.co.uk, um, and we have a, a recruitment company who basically help clients and candidates to find jobs um, and positions within audiovisual and unified communications, and that's across the UK and Europe and the Middle East. Okay, and is there, uh, how do people, obviously they can go to avjobs.co.uk, but if there is a company that is uh, that has a, an office in England or, or in the Middle East, how would they get a hold of you guys? Um, they can either e- email me, pat at avjobs.co.uk, um, or call me on 0844-884-9150. Um, all of our details are on the website. And I'd be happy to talk to them. Okay. Um, all right. So, so like I said at the beginning, we're going to try something new. We're going to have you go, you come on and give us your one of your guys's jobs. Your your pick, pick not necessarily your pick job, but but a job that you have. We'll call it the the AV job of the week. Uh, so, what is your guys's job for the, for this week? Okay. Well, we, we've actually got two jobs that are reasonably similar. They're channel sales manager jobs, um, both based in the UK, one in the Midlands and one um, really anywhere within England. Um, They are both for vendors, so people who manufacture, um, they pay around 35,000 basic and 50,000 plus OTE with a company car and other benefits. Both great jobs, both great vendors and I'd be happy to see CVs from good candidates. Okay, and again, if you if you want to apply for the job, you would go to avjobs.co.uk. That's right, or you would email me, pat at avjobs.co.uk. Okay, very good. Two sales, uh, they're, they're sales rep jobs, is that, I mean? Channel account manager jobs, we call them. Okay, um, account manager jobs. Yeah, looking after resellers in the audiovisual industry 
um, and it, both of them are selling for manufacturers. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's avjobs.co.uk or uh, shoot Pat an email, pat at avjobs.co.uk. Pat, thank you very much. That's superb. Thanks a lot, Tim. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. All right. We're back with AV Week. With us this week is Dawn Mead. She is AV Dawn, George Tucker from World Stage, Johnny Moda from Biz Systems. And is it Biz Systems? It's Visis. Visis. Yes. And Michael Drainer from Tech Electronics. Um, George came up with this one. Fred Wilson wrote a blog post. Um, and if you don't know who Fred Wilson is, he's a he's a big time venture capitalist uh, who has been behind some of the stuff like you know, Twitter and uh, not Facebook, but um, was he Facebook? Tumblr. But Tumblr. Twitter. Tumblr. Tumblr. Tumblr Foursquare. Uh, delicious. Zynga. Burner. Zynga. So Zynga. He, he's the reason that we all harvest, you know, our beets. Virtual crops. <laughs> Our virtual crops. Um, but basically, the 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 blog goes on to the, the blog is basically talking about um, if you don't get this whole technology, you're going to have to pay somebody who is into this technology. Um, does that make sense to you guys? Or George, we'll start with you since since it's your article. Does that make sense to you, or is he just kind of screaming about you know you, you, we all need to be geeks? Well, I think he's partly saying we all need to be geeks because it's the world we live in. Uh, it is a, it, I mean, the title of the, pro- of the article was Program or Be Programmed. So it, as we were talking earlier about Roscore and what's changing and where the models are shifting, Fred Wilson's one of these guys, just to take a slight, you know, tertiary sort of little turn here. You said tertiary. He, I said tertiary. <laughs> um, he, he, it's part of the title of my blog. Of course I'm going to use it. Um, he's, he's just impressed by big words. Exactly. Um, <laughs> we should so, never record on a Saturday ever again. <laughs> I haven't even been drinking yet. Jeez. Oh, man. You're the Where's only one. Red, where's my red wine? Um, so, program or reprogram? Yes. If you don't understand some of the basic core technologies of what you're dealing with or how to alter it, like... You have a TV, you should understand how to bring up the guide on your cable box or your TiVo or whatever it is. If you don't understand that or how to maneuver around it, you're going to pay somebody to make it simpler for you, and you don't need to. Uh, And now, again, this is a geeky guy. He's somebody who used to program some stuff, and he is a little bit of a JavaScript guy. But there's a way to learn this stuff. I mean, look, there's something called Scratch. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with this. MIT. Uh, MIT, yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Scratch.mit.edu. It's a programming primer for kids. Drag and drop, make a character move, add stuff to it, but it lets you do things like change on a condition. If he's walking 10 paces and hits a green square, do the following, because you can add the green square. There's also a great couple of uh, programs uh, called Code, Code Academy. Code Academy teaches you JavaScript right from the computer. It's free. You can actually start to learn how to use Java in some very basic ways. Th- why is this important? Well, you know what? Uh, like Boxy, there's ways to modify it. I'm a big proponent of this. Yes, we mentioned the DIY show earlier because even when you're buying high-end gear, you want to be able to do some of the stuff yourself. And this has been something that's really annoyed me for years when you buy high-end stuff. Um, actually, I, I live this. I live this story. Um, it, it's definitely something that we should consider not just learning programming language but technology in general. And for people out there that you know are more artsy or creative or just more language-oriented, I say do this and you will have a career forever. 
because Lord knows I've built my career on this, translating from tech to human for the average person, there, there's always going to be a place for that. And, you know, I, I may not be able to single-handedly install an entire facility, but I know enough installation tools that I can communicate that with, you know, the tech types and the engineers versus, you know, the end users. So I, I think it's fantastic what Fred Wilson says, you know, learn your technology, learn your programming and and live it. Because, you know, he, the example he uses is you don't have to speak French fluently. Just know enough French that if you go to France, you can speak it badly until they understand and speak English. I don't think it's any any secret, any question. I am a fan of Crestron Electronics. I am a big fan of Crestron Electronics. I, I like mo- most of oh, be quiet. <laughs> most of what they do. Um, this is I don't know if this is even about them necessarily, but the story is about them. So let's start there. In in Market Watch a few weeks ago. The uh, the writer, uh, and I'll use that term lightly, uh, wrote an article, <laughs> and I'll use the term wrote lightly, in which the, the title is, it says, Get Paid to Upgrade to Digital. And basically, this article is about um, Crestron's turn-in in program. Actually, Johnny, a few weeks ago, you know, made reference to the, you know, bring out your dead uh, for for Crestron's turn-in-in program. And and that makes a whole lot of sense, and I'm, I'm a big fan of that, and that's great and everything. However, um, this piece of paper in front of me is not an article. It's a press release with somebody's name signed to the bottom of it. Uh, I have no problem with press releases, as long as that's what they are, and that's kind of what they're put out as. This, however, is put out as a story that this gentleman is kind of trying to make a, a, a article, and it may be the fact that he had a deadline and he said, you know, what, what press release is at the top of my list or at the top of my stack and grabbed it and, you know, regurgitated it and, and spit it out. This is, is not necessarily, again, not necessarily about Crestron, but about tech reporting and, and technology and AV reporting in general. Um, Don, this is, you know, do, do, does anybody else have a problem with this, or is this, is this you know, me, I guess? It, it's not just you. I mean, if you're going to claim to be a writer of any sort, then write. you have to write something. Exactly. I mean, you know, who among us writing on technology hasn't once in a while raped and pillaged a, a, a press release for a phrase or a keyword or, or, you know, something like that to get the point across because their marketing department spent a lot of time and money mm-hmm. to make it sound good, you know. But – the, the whole idea of writing an article is not just necessarily to believe everything at face value or to just regurgitate what's given to you. It's to bring something of value to that, you know, to explain the, the, the program and tell, tell me why that's important or tell me why I should do this or, or give me something that lets you know there's a human there instead of just a machine that takes in press releases and spits out allegedly articles on the other end. I mean, I, it, it bugs me too, frankly, you know. It smacks of somebody that just didn't do anything until their deadline was upon them and said, oh, crap, what's on top of the pile? I'll or, write about this. Or a you recent know. J school graduate who's still trying to get his <laughs> right. feet wet. Even that, you don't have to go to journalism school to write. I mean, I, no. I, I didn't, you know, and I think I do an okay job, but, you, do I, you know, awesome I, don't always re- I don't always regurgitate press releases. So there <laughs> well, we are. <laughs> well, at least he did put at the top press release. At the top of the article. Okay, so yes, Michael has, has pointed something out. Um, yes, the word press release is there in really tiny letters in the upper left-hand corner. However, 
a press release does not belong on MarketWatch's website. It belongs on the company's website. If I want to read press releases from Crestron, I should go to Crestron, not to MarketWatch, which is a, a, a journalistic endeavor. It used to be of CBS. I honestly have no idea who owns it now. I think it's actually the, the Wall Street Journal. And put it on their site to make it look like some sort of article where this guy's done some reporting and he's called the sources and he's verified. I'm spitting out, you know, journalistic practices here that, you know, are probably as ancient as, as all of us. But instead of just taking a press release, and yeah, I, I miss that, honestly, because it's so freaking small um, <laughs> that, you know, he just kind of slapped Mark, you know, Market Watch on the top of it and said, here, here's my article for the day. But I'm not even seeing the author. Who's the author of the article? Crestron. Yeah, exactly. So Randy. Who, Rand- <laughs> <laughs> or well, George. Well, because, because not, I, you not know. Tucker Feldstein. <laughs> You there know, was I, a day. It might have been. <laughs> I mean, we, we put out press releases all the time, too. And, you know, we work with manufacturers and, and um, different suppliers and things like that to, to get media attention about projects that we're doing, different programs and things like that. And you issue a press release in hopes that different media outlets will publish that release and get you some attention to your program. And, and so saying that it doesn't belong on MarketWatch, I don't know that that's really a fair statement. No, the the the. Okay, a press release does not belong on a verbatim on somebody's site like that. If you're a journalistic endeavor, this on, on our podcast, unless I am dead and you guys take over and totally bastardize what I'm doing, they will. I will <laughs> well, never. Confidence. <laughs> wow. Yeah, thanks. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that you. He's got that a lot of faith in this, doesn't he? I'm saying that's the only over my dead body. In other words, is the best way to put that. Would we have just flat out regurgitation of press releases without talking about the fact that this is a press release or what we think about it? Right. Or here's a crazy idea. Take the press release and then do some research. I mean, this guy is talking about the analog sunset where he says it's a mandate. It's not a mandate. It's not a government mandate. It's a it's it's a mandate from the AACSLA. It's not a governmental mandate, and he equates it to the to the uh, digital transition for uh, over the air broadcasters. That's a, that's not something. Had he done five minutes worth of research, he would have found that out. Right. So my my issue is the fact that this does not belong verbatim as a press release on a blog, in the paper, on, on, on a news uh, program, or on a, on a podcast where it's, here's fact. So what you're saying is journalists do your job. Yes. You know, if, if you want to talk about a story that Crestron released or press release that they put out, reference that press release, but then talk Fine. about it from a journalistic perspective. And, yes. And, right. Okay, I see where you're going. And, and, and also, you know, he, he mentioned press releases in tiny letters in the top corner. The other thing that gets me about this, this page is, you know, even the Crestron logo is kind of small and pushed off to the side. Right. But there's a great big logo that says Business Wire, yes. and, you know, whatever company. And that tells me if I'm looking at this, you know, if I surfed into it by accident, that this is a Business Wire news story mm-hmm. that should give me some news. Yes. Whereas if, if this – even if the site had an entire section of press releases – that's headed press releases, you know, and puts the company logo there and then maybe business wire off to the side or something. If that's the name of the blog or the, you know, market watch, whatever, that would be fine. But because that's the head, the head, what you see first business wire, it makes it sound like it's news and it's really not news. No, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, 
press release. You know, you know the, I've seen, yeah, I see I've, that. I've seen a number of sites who say the latest press releases, and they put them under a press release heading. Really? I'm, <laughs> now, I'm trying to vision now, that. Now, that I'll least accept because, as we know, I loathe press releases. <laughs> I loathe them. A cutting edge, innovative, and if, and if you really want to get George, put out a press release about 3D. Yes, well, there you go. <laughs> or gestures. Or gestures. Or gestures. I'll, I'll do mine on the digital because I could talk for days on that one. Hey, look. Yeah. Come on. 3D gesture. Yeah. <laughs> 3D gesture. Hey. Oh! <laughs> nice. See what I did there? Right there. We got that. That's good. Uh, I think I'm just going to go vaporize right now. <laughs> yeah, but with like the press releases, like they should have done is at least put like their own spin on it and say, you know, read the full press release or here's yeah. my yes. thoughts right. at least. Right. Hallelujah, yeah. brother. All right. Well, we have one more thing after after I get you know I'm never going to get invited to anything restaurant now. Um, <laughs> uh, the Panasonic. They're slashing the TV panel output. Basically, Panasonic's they've cut they've cut one thousand jobs uh, in their in their plasma TV line. A few years ago, Pioneer, who for my money made the best plasma at least in the last ten years, stopped making plasmas. So you know it's it's for people like you know who, who are foodies. It's like Alton Brown stopping you know stopping cooking. Um, I like I like Alton Brown. Oh, yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah. So is this, guys, another big-name quality manufacturer getting out of the plasma business? Johnny, does this mean that we, we are witnessing the, the downfall of the plasma, or is just, this just a, a decision by Panasonic to focus on, on LED and LCD? I think that it, it, it's just like one of those things that, like, they, let's just say that they're losing to, to Samsung. Johnny's in the middle of a street battle. Plasmas are, are kind of dying. And it makes me sad because plasmas are are beautiful for their darks and they're known for that. But I, I've talked to just normal people and they, they're, oh, you know, it, it's too dark for me. I'm like, what? Slap you in the face, really? <laughs> George, do you, uh, do you concur about that? <laughs> I, I don't know if people, I, I think what, you know, I agree with Johnny in a certain way. There's that I don't think most people, even some technically educated people, care about the difference there i mean a couple of weeks ago there was an article and i think we discussed it on one of the shows about how plasma is making a comeback plasma is making a comeback and it will in certain respects i think but it's going to be a very specific digital signage kind of application for the money for what it does you're going to find more clients going for projection with you know giving size over quality and for the most other standard people led is going to do just fine or LCD, sorry. Right, right. Yeah, and that's unfortunate because I'm I'm with um, um, I'm of, of the opinion that plasma is still a superior picture in many regards. Um, personally, have a plasma in my basement at home and absolutely love it. I you know the color reproduction, the contrast ratios, it, it's just very very hard to beat. But I also understand where you're going with that, George, and and that the projection technologies especially when we get into the really nice high-end stuff let's go 4k let's go um you know hd projection whatever the case may be the size to price ratio is um uh, much more attractive when you get into projection it's sort of like the broadcast thing like on broadcast plasma looks really good it does but it's gorgeous but with with other stuff, you know, normally when you're home, no one's going to really notice the difference again. Sorry about that. Uh, 
you know, on TV, if I'm watching the NFL today, plasmas are going to show up beautifully on that right. camera. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, what am I going to really use it for? And the high-end, like the iPod, we talked about this again before, like the iPod, a lot of our high-end people are saying, that's great, the sound quality is perfect, this is where all my music is. Well, and I think that's what's so disappointing about just technology in general. We have dumbed down the society and the consumers of media to accept inferior quality. And, you know, you go back to so the – This is we. We as an industry have allowed this to happen. We as the the manufacturers. Steve Jobs did this. Well, this is true. He did. He did, unfortunately. But, you know, I remember growing up that, you know, quadraphonic sound, man, that was incredible. And everybody was just so um, bent on trying to make sure that the audio was perfect. Man, they had to have the right speaker cable and the right speakers and the right players and the turntable had to be right. And then even into the 80s and the 90s when we got into CD technology, it was all about, you know, clarity and definition. And now if if I've got uh, an MP3 with a 128 sample rate, that's acceptable. And it's not. It's not, in my opinion. But the consumers have, um, by and large, accepted this as a standard that they're willing to consume. And why, why up the ante as a manufacturer when you can get away with inferior product? Well, but uh, to that end, it also may be content-related. When they were doing quadraphonic, what were they recording in? Dead rooms. Right. Yeah. What did you get? You know, this over-processed, a lot of slap echo. Right plate echo stuff but right. it was a dead room so this could be partially content if it's not specific to the the, the display or showing that advantage i mean look how many years we had to prove to people that hdtv was actually better people just didn't see it until the content was native hd and really blew you away and you mm-hmm. had to do that over the top right you know hd stuff in the the lagoons of whatever and the you know the alligator coming out of it looking like there was actual some some kind of perceptual death going depth going on you're going to start talking about 3d again aren't you (laughs) (laughs) that would be blasphemy and i can't do that i would just vaporize into little tiny bits so so don from a from a consultant standpoint i mean you've been on both sides of this fence what what do you see um the impact is of the death of plasma if that is the net result here you know, this is one of those issues where I, I can't just take a strictly business perspective on it because it just makes me sad. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, as we're recording this, I'm sitting here watching Mr. A.V. Dawn play video games on our Pioneer 503, mm, you know, yeah. I, and, and, and I'm just like watching it sad that not only is Pioneer out of plasma, but now Panasonic is, yeah. you know, or getting out of. I mean, it it's just such a great image. And, you know, we have LCD TVs in other parts of our house. But we love our plasma. Nothing compares, you know, does it? Nothing compares. Right. And I, I try to tell people that. But, at, you know, at the end of the day, LCD can be a little less expensive or it makes their, you know, Nintendo look even better or whatever the excuse is. They, they bought the hype or they don't want burn-in when burn-in hasn't really been an issue in several iterations no. of these mm-hmm. things. You know, the LED, LED LCD people did a really good job of selling their product and selling the pitfalls of plasma and anytime you would mention plasma to a customer as a consultant or as an integrator the first thing they would say is burn in mm-hmm. and it hasn't been true in ages you right. know and power so, consumption and which I, which hasn't been true either right and and so it just it just makes me sad that that this is you know goodbye panasonic when it comes to plasma i mean when our 503 dies i don't know what we're going to put there on the wall we'll probably end up with an with an lcd but a little heart piece of my heart will die when that happens. <laughs> you know? No, no, I'm, I'm with you because I think that only leaves one glass manufacturer now, doesn't it? And that's Samsung. 
Yeah, well, and to be honest, uh, you know, if you look in the background of all these companies, I don't know that they were directly manufacturing each piece of the the, the glass and the electronics themselves. I think I think it's similar to the projectors that there's only right. one or two companies in Japan yeah. whose names we as Americans and, and and Canadians and whatever don't know that make all the the component bits and then Panasonic and Pioneer and whoever puts them together. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the pieces may still be out there when, when Panasonic stops, but it's putting it together well. <laughs> that's yeah. where the, well, the it, loss is. And, and that's the key, you know, just like a projector. You know, they might all have the same LCD panel, the same DLP components, but it comes down to the scalers and the processors and right. uh, all the other components that make a quality device. Um, at the end of the day, because I can I can put two projectors side by side, and they are not going to be the same image, even if they are the same uh, display components. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, something to brighten your day after we've lamented the the death of, the, of plasma. Uh, Friday is November eleventh, two thousand eleven. Two days before my birthday. Two days before Johnny's birthday. But it's also, if you look at it from a number standpoint, is 11, 11, 11. So I would like to toast, uh, since we won't record before then, to Nigel Tufnell Day. <laughs> Actually, you know, um, they have declared 11, 11, 11 National Heavy Metal Day and MTV nice. and VH1. MTV and VH1 all for the past several days have been running a lot of heavy metal documentaries and live concerts and things in honor of National Heavy Metal Day 11-11-11, thanks to Nigel Tufnell and uh, the, the, the fabulous lads of Spinal Tap. So uh, rock on. It goes to 11. <laughs> yes, this right. one goes to 11. I got to make sure I TiVo uh, VH1 now. Yes, because we, we, you're such a hard rocker. Yeah. For those who don't know, my hair is down to uh, my waistline. Your hair is nowhere near your waistline. <laughs> it's almost and, not and existing. It's, and it's running away from your eyebrows. <laughs> well, they they had some good good concert shows and, and background shows on Rush the other day. And, uh, oh, man. You know, the Metallica, oh, the Metallica monster. Uh, da- was it Damaged or Like a Monster? Their, their documentary was right. on it. So it's yeah. really, really fabulous. I'm have to if see you're if they, that uh, sort of music. If they rerun that uh, rush, I'm a big Neil Peart fan. So yeah. I've got a, I've got a good one for you though. Um, does anyone here remember the Young Ones? Absolutely. They, yeah. Yes. There was uh, I think the guy who played Vivian, the the punk rocker with the the studs in his head. They did a series of three TV shows for BBC called Bad News. Hmm. Four years count four years prior to Spinal Tap. Really? Wow. It covers much of the same territory. Yes, but do their amps go to 11? They do some similar stuff, but there's classic lines like them fighting over what genre of music they are and them having a fight and getting out in the middle of the uh, M5 going, I'm not getting back in the van until Vin says I'm heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> but but the most brilliant... important thing, did, did, did they have a dancing dwarf and a, and a tiny little Stonehenge? <laughs> or Rob Reiner, no. for crying out loud. Right, right. No. They're, they're, they're but, let's not yell. <laughs> Rob Reiner is 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 makes that. Movie. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't say that. Way. Rob, I do like Rob Reiner a lot. So he created uh, he created uh, Princess Bride. So you gotta love him for that. Love, all right, true love. As you wish. Um, 
Hey we're, now, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this sucker up before you know we start quoting. Mo- we are way too delirious. Um, <laughs> with us this week is uh, the Hat Johnny Moda. He is from Visus Systems. Um, he you can find him on Twitter at jmoda3. You can find him on Rave Pubs. Uh, he is one of the Rave Pubs <laughs> blog squad. And you can find him uh, pretty much anywhere else, but those are the two main places. Johnny, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Broadcasting live in 3D gesture control from the Fortress of Solitude. This is Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, George Tucker, he is from World Stage Engineering Coordinator. He's also a Rave Pub blogger as well. Uh, And he has his own website that I am never going to try to pronounce. I'm going to let him do it. (laughs) <laughs> just go to Tucker Tertiary. It's my Tumblr account. It leads to my T6, which is Tucker's Tuesday Tidbits and tertiary, uh, Technical tit, uh, Tertiaries. Hey, see, you got me doing <laughs> see, it now. you screwed it up. <laughs> can't even uh, say. <laughs> Remember, the title was an homage to somebody else. I'll have to live with it. Um, and I it still was think a nice Johnny, homage. I still think that Johnny's part-timing as a dog catcher back there. I don't know. That, uh, that latest batch was mine. Those were mine. Oh, Okay. Yeah, those are those are dogs. They were just cheering for me. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his his Twitter is is Tucker Twos. So, uh, Dawn Mead is Av Dawn. She is also on Rave Pubs. I think Yahoo and I are the only two who aren't. Um, and she love also you anyway. huh? We love you anyway. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we accept you for your fault. <laughs> as many somebody as somebody has are. to. Uh, she also <laughs> she also has a website avdawn.com. Uh, thank you very much, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, Michael Drainer has a brand spanking new website. Go there. Give him your two cents. Rip him. <laughs> Tell him what you really think. It is michaeldrainer.com. See, that one I can I can. Remember. That's an easy one. Yeah, by the way, post number one is up, so uh, stay tuned for more. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm Tim Albright. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it is TD Albright. But more importantly than anything... Uh, for me at least, is to please go by the website uh, avnation.tv avnation.tv uh, We have a survey going up, so let us know what you think. It'll be uh, a way for us to uh, let you know, change things, you know, give us suggestions, let us know what you like, what you don't like, stuff like that. Uh, stay tuned because we have actually three monthly podcasts in the works as we speak, so uh, those will come down the line sometime in the next month or so. So uh, thank you very much for listening, and that's all the time we have for AV Week. 